There are over 5 million individual podcasts that you can listen to right now in 2023 and about half a billion people throughout the world that are listening to them. So when I find a podcast that I like, or I find a talent that I feel is doing something well, I, I want to invite them on to my show. I want to find out what makes them successful. And so today's guest is somebody who has his own podcast. He does a weekly video on YouTube and also publishes on all the podcast formats. And that show is called Dave versus Goliath. It's a cool show. I enjoy it. And today I'm going to sit down and talk to him so that way you can enjoy it here soon as well. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. That's right. I'm your host here on the America Out Loud Network. Check out www.americaoutloud.com where you can see hundreds of articles per week from some very talented individuals that are putting out radio shows, podcasts, as well as articles for your reading enjoyment. Today, I am joined with my very special guest, Dave Casey. Now, Dave is the chair of the Libertarian Party here in Delaware, where I reside. But not just that, he caught my eye a while back because... He does a phenomenal podcast with video content called Dave versus Goliath, which just like America emboldened is a play on my name. You know, David versus Goliath uh, is a play there, biblical, which I love. So I want to invite Dave on uh, since we both were down in D.C. about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and really just find out the state of why he does what he does, where we kind of uh, share some views, maybe where we differ and uh, just pick his brain about some topics that are going on. So, Dave, welcome to the show. Greg, great to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad that you're here. I mean, uh, so you went down to D.C. as well. Uh, I saw some uh, footage. Did you ever find your tripod that was stolen by the communist? You wouldn't believe it. The libertarians had it the whole time. It's, no you'd way. Never, you'd never suspect it. But they were holding it. In, uh, you know, maybe hoping that somebody would come back and get it. They said that the wind was blowing stuff around. So at the very, very end of the day, we found that bad boy. Oh, I, I like it better blaming the communists. That, that just seemed like a better for, plan to me. For storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I left you a comment. I said, uh, the one thing you need to know is that tripod was never yours in their world. <laughs> <laughs> it's the key understanding there, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. So Dave, uh, you do this podcast, Dave versus Goliath. Let's start right there before we get into libertarian stuff. You know, I know why I started this show. My listeners are familiar with my story. Why did you choose the start a podcast here in this form of media? Um, I started it or I started planning it after uh, the COVID lockdown started. Um, before that, I kind of, you know, always like a lot of people, you know, just kick that around in your head and usually came around to like, no, there's enough libertarian podcasts or there's enough of this or I, I, I wouldn't do it as good as these guys or whatever. All that kind of like that kind of talk. Uh, but the lockdowns really for me, man, kicked it into high gear for me. It was just like at a personal level, like where I was at, I turned 40 in the uh during the lockdown, like that kind of in and of itself just pissed me off. I'm like, okay, middle age, like I'm locked in my home, like you, but so that's where my head headspace was at. But also was like, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to call it Dave versus Goliath. I'm not going to put libertarian in there anywhere. So I don't have to answer to any of these assholes. Um, and it's just my opinion, what I feel like talking about. And uh, yeah, man, we've been really having a lot of fun. Yeah. We just passed two years of uh, doing that. It's great. My listeners want to go on and find your show. Dave versus Goliath is the first way, but he also has a YouTube channel as well, where you can find Dave versus Goliath. Uh, and he just had Scott Horton on uh, just a few days ago as well. Uh, Scott has, uh, you know, followed my show for some time and uh, we've had him on too. Uh, great guy. Uh, so make sure you go check out that episode, maybe as kind of a primer and to kind of get into things. So Dave, I got into doing this podcast because for years, 
I was on social media and I would just rant about stupid crap. I'd be like, all right, this is how I feel about education. What's going on right now? And here's a common sense take on it. Or here's why Republicans and Democrats are failing at something. And I would share it. And then all of a sudden I'd see that people were sharing this thing like a hundred times on Facebook or Instagram, it was getting lots of views. And I was like, well, gee, maybe I should do this a little bit more officially, uh, which led to this uh, type of show. So it sounds like you with the COVID mo uh, moment in your life and me with just being fed up with everything is a, a common thread there. Another common thread that I believe we have is what probably motivated us to get active in politics to begin with. And so I was a huge uh, fan of Ron Paul. Uh, Ron Paul, I use the phrase cured my apathy, right? That was a common phrase, the Ron Paul revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, about when did you become aware of Dr. Paul in, in kind of your life? And what did that mean to your views on politics? I want to say like 2000, it wasn't really in tune to the 2008, uh, run. So like, and I was doing just, my life wasn't focused on politics really at that point. <clears throat> was definitely anti-war at that point. You know, early on, I voted for Nader when I was, uh, whatever, 18. Um, we won't hold that against you. No, I'm right, right. It's, <laughs> you know, but at a young age, you know, there's one guy up there telling his yep. version of the truth and two stuff suits. That's all I could tell. Um, yep. But yeah, Ron Paul kind of like after all the years of maybe just like chanting, you know, damn the man or like, you know, you understand that there's people keeping you down, right? You can understand that there's, evil forces at work but it's really helps when somebody says well do you know about the federal reserve it's like no okay well let me put some names and faces to act if you're if you're talking about the big banks kid let me tell you about this bank you know so i really like latched on to the message early like okay this is a great libertarian populist message you know so um around 2000 probably 10 i would say i was okay definitely on board with the message and uh yeah, got really, you know, hardcore by 2012 for sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't even still know the whole story of the creature from Jekyll Island, uh, why the whole end the Fed movement started or taxation is theft. They think of that as the kind of like little funny talking points, but they don't don't challenge it into the critical thinking of their minds about why this conversation really matters. Like when Ron Paul said we should audit, you know, the gold reserves, uh and he said, but you know what, if we went to Fort Knox and we did so, the gold's not there probably. Wait, mm -hmm. we don't have the backing for it anymore. And so there were just many things that uh, when he was talking about during his presidential runs, I realized there were no other politicians that were speaking with that level of clarity on uh, national debt, what was making the country more unsafe. Uh, no other politicians that were really uh, just felt like they were being honest with the American public. Uh, and that was the first time I also saw where the media would paint a story against the politician uh, knowingly just to try to ruin the campaign because they weren't part of the network. They weren't part of the mainstream. Um, so I guess let's start here. What's keeping you up at night? Like, what are the main things that you have COVID? Uh, what, what's got Dave worried here in life? Well, I mean, you, yeah, you touched on the to put a bow on the Ron Paul stuff. Like, yeah, I'm still not over them cheating him in Iowa. Like he won Iowa. Yep. And and that, that would have changed the entire trajectory. In fact, I think you back me up on this, but I think that every president who went on to win Iowa, usually if not nine, nine times out of 10 went gets on to the win nomination. the presidency. Right. Yeah. At yeah. least gets the nomination. Um, so yeah, they, they ended up retracting that victory for Romney, whatever months later, but the damage is done. Um, and then they blocked him at the convention too, like literally with signs and everything else. So, um, yeah, in, in a way that was kind of a, a, a white pill at the end, like I was pissed, but after that you lose kind of like the national daddy complex. It's like, okay, we didn't get Ron Paul. So it's like, it, again, what are you going to do? Are you going to get involved somehow in your community? That's really what you have to do. It's like the right. uncomfortable answer that the, the sunshine Patriots don't want to hear. It's like, okay, well, this isn't going to take two years or four years. It's going to take 20 years of, of like even beginning to like affect the culture enough to do anything uh, of value. But that's what he did was kind of spark the remnant. Right. And that grow that that went into a dark period, I'd say, between, you know, the Rand Paul era or whatever of 2015, right. 16. <laughs> the tea but, party. Um, 
<laughs> right. I mean, well, the Tea Party yeah. came with great. Um, it was a graf- grassroots movement. But again, it's how quickly these things get co-opted by people like Sarah Palin or or whatever else. Um, I think that they're probably calling like John McCain, you know, a Tea Party or by the end of that it just doesn't mean anything anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah so, sorry, so, 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 so you you kind of use this in order to realize you got to get uh, active on the local level. Right. Um, and so in Delaware. I was registered. I shouldn't out this on my show. I really shouldn't. <laughs> um, my, my, my listeners know I was registered as a libertarian, but I shouldn't out the second part, but I will because I don't plan on running for politics. Um, I have switched my affiliation to Democrat. And in the Gross. state of Delaware, <laughs> well, kidding. I'm not a Democrat. I'm just kidding. I know. I I've done I it before a, too. I ain't a Democrat. I don't have a Democrat bone in my body. Maybe I maybe just I want what's best for other people from a social justice sure. standpoint at times. But that was the dead Democrat Party. That doesn't even exist anymore. Um, now it's all identity politics and a bunch of BS. Yes, sir. Um, but I, I switched my affiliation in the state of Delaware only because no one votes any other party but Democrat in Delaware and the vote in the primaries in Delaware, you have to belong to that party mm-hmm. in order to influence the primary. Yep. So from a local level, I was like, well, all right, at least I can vote for the lesser of two evils in the Democrat party and try to uh, maintain some common sense. And the other thing that ended up happening was there was this fr- uh, really just like two different breakoffs of the libertarian party in Delaware. And from an outsider standpoint, like myself, I got lost in the shuffle. I didn't know what the hell was going on between whatever one person was saying was the libertarian party. And the other group was saying was the libertarian party. I just like, you guys figure out the quarrel. And when we're all done with this, I'll come back to the table and I'll help however I can help. Um, You are the chairperson for the libertarian party now in Delaware of Newcastle County, Newcastle County, yeah, Newcastle County. Yes. So as chair of the Newcastle County libertarian party, what the hell happened? What can you share? And maybe can we uh, reassure people, not just in Delaware, but across the country, that the libertarian party's in good hands. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot to unpack there, man. And it yeah, was definitely, sorry. no, it's cool. Um, and it, it's important and it took a long time. So I'll try and give you like the, the short, short version. Um, I would say probably like during the Joe Jorgensen uh, campaign, I hosted actually Joe at uh, my place of business down here. And I met a lot of these guys that would come to uh, we would form the Mises Caucus of Delaware here, um, which I think you've talked to Mike Heiss. I listened to that. So you're probably familiar with what the Mises Caucus has been doing on a national level. But that started to take form here. Uh, right. I would say after the 2020 uh, campaign, which, again, myself included, were lots of people that were helping with Spike and Joe, not necessarily like Mises candidates or Ron Paul style libertarians, but um, but we were all on that same page. But we definitely also had gripes with the way that they were running our local party. Lots of it was just kind of the same people that had been there for six, eight, 10, 12 years, kind of in the same position or like shuffling around running the same people for office just to kind of, we call them paper candidates, just just to have somebody right. on the ballot, right? This is kind of like the strategy, just to kind of have a have a pizza party, raise a hundred or two dollars, like really not do a whole lot, but maintain your club, right? Right. And um, Mike Heiss and a lot of the other guys in the Mises Caucus around you know 2017 were like, all right, this is not this is not the way we could use this party for something a lot better than this. And um, sure, there were like some cultural differences, I think, between like the old guard and the new guard, but I think that that's really secondary. Um, like if you're, if you're into libertarianism in the Rothbardian tradition, if you're into the Ron Paul revolution, that's pretty much, I mean, you don't even have to be really, but uh, that's pretty much as clear as I can make it. If you know what those things mean and the fed and the war on drugs and the war on terror, property rights, non-aggression, it's like, it's so simple. It doesn't have to be crazy. We don't need to get into all the, uh, identity politics stuff, but yeah, in Delaware, man, we had, um, we had an election. I got elected. Uh, to the county party and a lot of Mises caucus people got on and it created a whole hubbub and man they are just even still like it's it's totally done but they're still I can't even talk about it like the specifics but they're still trying to fuck around like with some legal stuff it's like yeah no I I I know that because I had Michael Heiss on my show and I had a message sent to me um that I was like where's this coming from like 
<laughs> whose Oreos did this guy or uh, Cheerios did this guy piss in? It's like. <laughs> so bizarre, man. I mean, like they could be doing so many other things with their time, like, but still doing it. And this is like, it's an interesting thing. It's like, it's a microcosm. What happened here? It's all across the country. People right. have just been there for years. And I think that we had a really unique one in that the people who were doing it here were, you know, definitely formidable. Um, but they lost in the end, man. It's it's an open party now. It's like it's never raised more money than it has right now. I think membership is higher than it's ever been. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to get out of the Libertarian Party right now. Pretty much what I want to get out of it is to use it for like um, for local elections and and to lobby on behalf of liberty in your, in your local community. Right. Like, it's pretty easy. Set up your tent at the local grocery store and hand out flyers. Hey, we meet on every Monday at the first of the month or something. You know what I mean? It's simple stuff. Yep. Yeah, I spoke with Mike Tremont uh, earlier this week, and I was telling him that part of being successful for the Libertarian Party in the future is going to require an image rebranding. It's going to require rethinking what it means to be a libertarian, letting go of some of the old guard and finding how does the message of liberty fit into both a Democrat and Republican working across the aisle, because there's not going to be any other way to get that done, especially in states like Delaware, where it's so Democrat uh, stronghold that you're going to have to find a way in order to get people to listen to you. And one of the things that I was like, you know what, I guess I'm okay that the Libertarian Party dissolved for like a year before it came back. One of the things that was good about that is I was annoyed when candidates were being put up in local elections here in Delaware, and I see this all across the, the country, really, where people don't take the election serious, like they show up, they're ill prepared to debate, they don't dress the part and like, I get it, like, whatever, like, maybe you're a libertarian, you don't believe in like, you know, screw the man, I don't, I don't need to dress a certain way. That's not how the electorate votes. The electorate votes a certain way because the same reason we have news anchors that have a dress code, it's what we kind of expect out of our politicians. And maybe uh, what was the guy uh, in Pennsylvania that's brain dead, basically? Um, Fetterman. Fetterman. Yeah. yeah, maybe Fetterman broke that a little bit with his little hoodies and stuff. Right. But that is not the rule. That's the exception. And so is there anything right now that you're seeing where libertarians are rebranding the look and the image oh, to make yeah. sure they're taken serious. Okay. Yeah, I definitely do, man. And since the Mises caucus took over, I'd say like, there is a, there is a strategy here. And I think that it's really important for the libertarian party to not just be the third option, but, a, but the libertarian party. So I'm very specific, like called some people call it gatekeeping or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm really specific about who comes into the party. I don't want Bernie bros coming into the party unless they are reformed Bernie bros and have become libertarian like me. I'm a reformed Naderite, right? So I became a libertarian, took time, and now I'm ready to be here and ready to speak on its behalf. But outside of the libertarian party, like now that we have the thing that's established as in the Rothbardian Ron Paul tradition, then we can declare to the world what we are and what we can do and what we can offer. And just like at the Rage Against the War Machine rally, you know, it's like, there weren't any libertarians on that stage, but they were all the best anti-war voices in the world. So you can kind of pull and where you want to work and where you want to steer things. And man, don't forget about that. We only can pull one, two, three percent, but that you're not going to get a victory. But that wiggle room is real dangerous to those two major parties. You know that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, a lot of potential there, man. Yeah, the biggest block obviously is finances, right? I mean, you you have two major parties that can pull in a billion dollars um, with their support over two years, and the Libertarian Party does not have the big pockets to do so sure. at this point in time. But I think the Rage Against the War Machine, uh, what I saw from there was this ability to gather voices across aisles under the name of liberty in a single issue in a way I have not seen Democrats or Republicans able to gather people. Um, you just don't see that in modern politics. And that's what got lost in the shuffle of misinformation by Rachel Maddow and people that willfully lied about what happened in DC a few weeks ago. Uh, they missed the point that these were liberal voices. These were some of the most liberal voices in media, as far as like Jimmy Dore. I mean, he was with the young Turks for God's sake. Um, and you know, you get Tulsi Gabbard there who I know she said, you know, I no longer identify as a Democrat, um, you get Ron Paul, who was part of the Liberty movement, but you're getting all of these people under one umbrella and they're a single issue that is, uh, really powerful that if we can continue to see that in this country, 
that's change that I can get behind. That that's that's something that I'm going, okay, maybe the libertarians can't win all the elections, but maybe they can have enough influence to get the conversation, the ball rolling in a different direction. And I'm not sure if you noticed this, but what's your thoughts watching the news and things kind of switch on Zelensky since the rage against the war machine? Have you noticed that it's been more negative? Oh, wow. No, I haven't. Um, I, no, I haven't noticed any negative towards Zelensky, but I have definitely noticed that I, I loved that we got some corporate press attention for that. Um, right. But uh, so, no, so, I haven't seen that. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, Zelensky uh, just uh, yesterday was saying that, you know, should the U.S. stop giving financial support, they risk the Ukraine losing the war. And then we would have to send our sons and daughters to the Ukraine in order to fight the fight because NATO would get involved, which meant the United States had to be involved. And reading the comments online, everybody's like, not my son, not my daughter. That's I saw him problem. say that, but I didn't see any negative backlash oh, from, yeah, it's, from it's, the corporate press. You know, the corporate press has been pushing him on it, saying, you know, what did he mean by that? And maybe it's mm. time that we don't send so much money over. Maybe Biden sent too much. We like and, to run uh, things by proxy over here. You yeah. handle our, our stuff. That'd <laughs> yeah, be that's great. right. That's right. Yeah, we, we don't want to get too too messy if we don't have to. We'll just mm -hmm. overthrow your government remotely and uh, we'll take care of it from there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So uh, when you titled your show, Goliath, who is Goliath? What, what are you talking about? So that's kind of me being just as amorphous as possible. The man, the system, the, you know, whatever you want to call it. Cause I, again, I just don't want to be very specific with my, it's, it's me versus the world. You know what I'm saying? It's just right. like, I'm only speaking for myself. I know how finicky these libertarians could be. It's a libertarian show, right? Like I'm a libertarian okay. talking about libertarian stuff. I talk about the Mises caucus stuff, a lot of world economic forum and conspiracy stuff. Um, that stuff predates my libertarianism. It's like I, when you learn about the horrors of the state, then it leads you to like learn about the government and then you learn about the nature of your enemy and then why you should be a libertarian. You know, that was my kind of journey. Right. Um, so, yeah, me, me versus everybody, bro. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about like local politics, because uh, while this show isn't a libertarian show, so to speak, we try to keep it where we're not really politically aligned to anybody. I am libertarian leaning, and I, I'm curious about um, this whole concept of trying to get involved on a local level and changing things across the United States. So maybe we can talk to Dave a bit about what he's seen, what he's learned here in Delaware, and how that can be applied if you're in Idaho, Montana, Texas, wherever, in order to change things a little bit in your state, even California. Maybe we can learn something there. All right, everybody, we'll be right back after the break. I just want to tell you about a great product that I personally use. It's called Cofix RX. Cofix RX is a povidone iodine nasal spray that gives you protection against viruses and bacteria for about eight hours when you go out into public. That's uh, a great spray. Spray it up your nose. Don't have to worry about anything. It's uh, awesome peer-reviewed studies. The company is great to work with. You can go to their website, cofixrx.com backslash out loud. You get a discount just for listening to the show. How great is that? And they send me lots of product anyway. And that's awesome because I pan that out to family and friends. And the family and friends come back to me and they're like, this stuff actually works. And I'm like, yeah, that's the reason why I talk about them. I wouldn't talk about them if it did not. All right. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be right back. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. 
yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here with Dave Casey from Dave versus Goliath. I sure hope that my listeners go and they follow him on Twitter. Dave, what, what is your Twitter handle? Because I know it's not Dave versus Goliath. It's like Goliath will fall, but I want to make sure I get that right. Right. Twitter has, I'm kind of hiding in the shadows because they banned the original one. But yeah, it's uh, right now it's Goliath will fall. Uh, All right. So make sure you go follow Goliath will fall, subscribe to him on YouTube and then any of the podcast networks, go find him and uh, subscribe and do that for me. All right. So Dave, we were talking about the local side of things. If you're living in a liberal part of the country right now, what are some things, lessons that you've seen from caucus uh, work and becoming the chair of a county party? What are your recommendations for people to stop being couch potatoes and try to influence things a little bit at a time? Yeah, I would definitely recommend going to takehumanaction.com and um, fill out. It's like three questions, um, but somebody will get in touch with you within, uh, you know, probably a day uh, from the Mises caucus who might put you in touch with somebody at the Libertarian Party. And if you're like me and you don't want to mess around with Robert's rules of order or all the boring stuff and the bureaucracy, it's really not about that. I'm telling you, not at this level. You just got to get out there, kind of find your community and uh, mix it up with people. If you're into crypto, if you're into guns, if you're into you know, we decrim. It doesn't matter. Um, just find your people, mix it up. You got to find your community because that's going to help you when the ish hits the fan at some point anyway. And it's just going to be good for your own self to just be around uh, like-minded people. But like on the political side, uh, yeah, you still got to start somewhere. And this is a long-term plan. You should check out uh, Project Decentralized Revolution that Mike Heiss put out through the caucus. That's kind of like a 20-year breakdown, like the manifesto of what like what needs to be done. And um, it's a lot at the local level. So, yeah, um, we're trying to get in and mix up uh, mayorships and sheriffs and city councils, things like that. And uh, spread. But we got to change the culture, man. And we got to, you know, like earn some trust. And it's tough when you have people like Rachel Maddow out there and, you know, calling you bad names or weirdos or whatever. But that's what the that is what the function of the corporate press is. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I think about, you know, the the framers of the Constitution, the people that are writing the Constitution, they were libertarians. They they really were when you when you break it down they were libertarians and so for whatever reason this, this painting libertarians as communists now or Russia sympathizers is just a bold face a lie on every single level and even the Mises caucus uh, I've heard you know the media go after the Mises caucus is there a reason why that that kind of happened was it because of the partnerships that they're trying to do reaching across the aisle to people uh, is anyone you know how's that work into the public relations side it's tough man I, i'll be honest with you like just starting like to mess around with local politics like i was called all the things right away racist nationalist homophobic all the stuff like i, I drive a prius i wear flip-flops i you know have organic food in my car we're all the same you know and people want right. the same stuff that's all that stuff is not true um, but that's what they do to discredit people. I mean, and yeah, when it comes from like the top, when it comes from, you know, MSNBC, that's really hard to shake or, um, the Southern poverty law center will just come out right off the bat and start bold accusations, um, with nothing really to back it up. But, um, I don't know. I heard Angela, the chair of the party get asked by, um, Nick Gillespie from reason.com, like at the convention, he was like, are you saying that racists are welcome in the party? And like, that's an easy way to get trapped into like a, yeah. because, because are you saying, do I, am I welcoming them, welcoming them? Like, oh yeah, we want all the racists. Like, no, but can a racist be a libertarian? I'm afraid so. Yeah. Just you like know? they can be a Democrat. They can be a Republican. Sure. You know? But, but <laughs> if you're, if you, if you were painted already as fringe and weird, it's, it's, this is an uphill battle. You know and I, mean? I forgot to take my racism test at the DMV before I registered. <laughs> but jeez, right. I know. 
<laughs> everything's a little bit racist oh that's a great musical by the way i actually yep. used that on my show maybe about three weeks ago and it completely fell on death ears like no one got the reference <laughs> you should have saved avenue, it for this one man yeah avenue q yeah oh man <laughs> that's that, that's such a great musical and it's funny because there's a time where i feel like uh the democrats would have been like, oh, that's my favorite musical of all time. And now I bet the Democrats would find so many different things wrong with it. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I look, my political awakening came when George Bush was president. So honest, I just went to the other side. And right. back then, MSNBC, who who's that maniac? The Keith Olbermann. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I Susan maniac. <laughs> right. He used to be on there. And I used to man, this guy's fired up about the war and stuff. You know, like right. young Rachel Maddow was out there, I think, talking about how it was, you know, the bloodiest war since whatever. So, you know, that was my team. And right. um, man, they're just at the end of the day, they're all corporatists. They will just say whatever they need to brought to you by Pfizer. You know, like that. Right, right. <laughs> it's just this yeah. show is not brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> <laughs> this is the right. anti-Pfizer show. Yeah. This, this show is brought to you by Healthy Cell and <laughs> the things that keep you off the pharmaceuticals the mm -hmm. best we can. Yeah, no. Uh, wow. Um, you know, thinking about. Fox News. I did a show two days ago that I'm getting hate mail for because I said Fox News has finally been exposed for being liars. Under the uh, deposition, Rupert Murdoch told the courts uh, and told uh, Dominion Voting Systems that he was not a Fox News was not a blue company, a red company, that Fox News was a green company. And that told me all I need to know about the mainstream news media. It's all about money. It's all about the dollars. And it was Tucker Carlson in 2020 who used as his defense. If anybody believes anything that I say, it's, it's meant for entertainment. I, I'm not trying to give facts. And Rachel Maddow used the exact same defense, I think in 2017, a lawsuit yep. against her. Yep. So all of these places where people are like, oh, that's the only real news in the country. They're all full of it completely full of it. And we need to flush it all. The system yeah. needs to be completely flushed, uh, the cesspool. And that's why I believe strongly in what you and I do. I believe strongly in other podcasters. And I try to promote this because this is the news. Now, this is where people can get the interviews that are long form and find out where people stand on issues, break down and try to get some understanding. Um, you know, we we're living in a world in a world i feel in like yeah right <laughs> to that old uh, movie voice guy uh in a world where the wef tries to take control of everything that you own you will own nothing and you will be happy right That's um right. so you you're pretty fired up about the wef and me right we're both fired up about mainstream media the way it is did you hear about the FBI director? He attended uh, Davos. He was a direct director of the FBI and he's going with the billionaire elites. When you hear that our FBI is attending this, what are your first immediate thoughts off the top of your head? Okay. Back up, buddy. We, this is a job for the CIA, not the FBI. Those guys get to go overseas and plant stories and work with corporations to destroy people and countries and governments that's their job you stay here and you frame our people like jfk and martin luther king and things like that that's your gig um no i think that's absolutely since they're a criminal crime syndicate that's probably where you should be mixing it up with those people um if you're coming out now you know through the twitter files that you are complete uh complicit in um actual election meddling right this is all more of their double speak. This is what demons do. They they say that something's going on that they're actually doing at the time right. that they're doing it. Right. Um, so, no, that makes perfect sense that he's over there uh, hobnobbing with those bastards. So I've been making connecting the dots and the WEF has been installing their people in different countries every time there's an election. Right. We get uh, Trudeau is part of the WEF. He's installed mm -hmm. in Canada. The new guy out in the U.K., He's a head of the WEF with his uh, his uh, financial company. He funds everything for the WEF, and now he's head of oh, parliament. Yeah. We have uh, in South America now several countries that have WEF leaders that are now acting as president and diplomatic leaders there. 
when I see uh, the head of our FBI go over and then a month later, just a couple of days ago, we hear that the entire COVID narrative can be told by the FBI as, oh, by the way, we've investigated and the FBI believes that this was a lab leak. And I was called a conspiracy theorist. I was told that I was that crazy over this type of stuff. But now the FBI director goes to the WEF. And all of a sudden he meets with all these other intelligence people there because he wasn't the only intelligence operative. And I can't help but think in a back room, someone said, you know what? It's time for disclosure, but this is how we're going to do it. We're not going to reveal the entire truth. Just give them enough that they're like, ah, that's what I thought it was. And then we'll move on. Yeah. It's this, re- it's really weird gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the same with the Hunter Biden laptop thing. Like you can't say the thing we were all saying two years ago, like it's news today. Right. You can't just do that. that but that's what they're doing. Like it, that's it's really incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel completely gaslit, but the, the problem is I feel completely gaslit by friends and family and people that I loved and they don't want to admit now they're like, well, so what it came from a lab. Well, here's why it's so what, uh, tell me, Dave, do you agree with me that if it came from a lab, this means that countries were liable for the millions of deaths that we had. If it came from a lab, does this mean that Dr. Fauci, if he was funding this, which it looks like since he paid off $9 million to people to change that report, that he's liable? Does this mean that they kept societal unrest at bay so we didn't overthrow governments for killing people with this? Uh, That's the part that no one wants to talk about. That's the dirty little secret, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I was going to, well, you said it, but. (laughs) <laughs> are you on this show can you go against world health organization uh stand uh on my show you can't you'll get kicked right off youtube but i guess you, you can <laughs> we'll say whatever you want to say i got full freedom here yeah okay cool that's that's so liberating um ah <laughs> uh, man i don't know i dave's like this is the first time i've ever been able to talk about the who i, yeah, I, okay, I just what do i, I just, say yeah i don't i don't know man i i don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they did it on purpose and I don't know if it came from the lab. I don't know if it's legit about the liability and stuff. I think that's tricky because I'm not convinced that the bioweapon was the virus like that to me, you know, the bioweapon, really the thing that I can see with my eyes did the thing was the thing they gave you in the name of the thing. You know what I mean? So it could be. To me, it looks like that. Um, and all the other stuff is just smoke and mirrors because what they really want was all the customers to get the thing four times a year after you get, you know, your sign up for the two and then four right. times a year for from forever. Mix right. it up with your flu shot and your all the other things. So I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. Um, but as far as did Fauci try and get this is like some of the numbers that I saw getting thrown around. It's like, oh, Fauci made like a couple million dollars. I'm like, you're going to fuck up. Sorry, I shouldn't curse without asking you, but you're just going to you're going to do this to the planet for like a couple million dollars. Like that sounds awfully low. You know what I mean? Like I would. Right. I, I want to see like the billions, you know, like that Lex Luthor money for like creating seven billion customers for life, you know, with the worst kind of debilitating diseases that are going to come back. We don't even know shit that's, that's going to happen. Right. It's only been <laughs> a year and a half since people started getting those things, man. Um so yeah, I'm I'm terrified about the long-term effects, mostly uh, reproductive and, and otherwise. And just I hate to see customers made. I hate to see, like you said, family and friends that just bought bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I got people that I'm close to and love that I, I think have high IQs that are like, no, I'm fully boosted. I got you know, and I'll go back and get the next one. Like, it's tw- really now. Still yeah, wearing I mean, masks and stuff like that. France just their their health organization just said we no longer recommend COVID vaccines because it's no longer a public health crisis and natural immunity is more effective. Thank you for, again, thank you for the, for telling us now, like after you lock us in our homes, you can't go to work. You have to get this thing. It's like, it was so dude. I mean, I, I, I always follow uh, the department of health and social services in Delaware. Cause they're the worst. They take our tax money to propagandize us to get the stuff. Yep. And uh, I always give them a heap of shit because they're, you know, still telling, you know, Oh yeah, go back and get your get your jab. Got to go get your booster, fifth one, whatever. I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, I just had a doctor's appointment yesterday, and I walked in. They're like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, you need a mask on." 
And I was like, do I have to, or is this optional to see the doctor or right. can I, can I say no? Is it's this like, science? Yeah. Is it, right. it's, it, and she's like, it's not optional. I said, did you guys see the Cochrane review report, which is like the definitive one. And she just looked at me and stared. And I was like, I'm guessing that's a no. Yeah. I said, I'll put this on, but it's just a decoration. It, it, it's fine at this point. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still, we're still living off of two years ago, propaganda. We're not living with the facts of data and where it's at. Um, and I agree with you. I've spoken to uh, some people. I have a listener of my show uh, who will send me some messages. He worked for Dr. Fauci. He's worked on mRNA before, uh, and he's also worked uh, in other parts of immunology. And he told me, he said, Greg, there will never be another successful mRNA vaccine. He said, and if there is, it's completely corrupt because they do not work the way that they thought that they were going to work. The experiment failed and people should demand better. And uh, he was one of those people that got the mRNA vaccine originally and now regrets it um, and told me, you know, don't, don't do it anymore. He's like, I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, that is not a regular vaccine. So when you label that as a bioweapon in a lot of ways, well, or not, doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is now we have CRNA in there and somebody might actually own a copyright to your DNA if you put that in your body. But, you know, that's that's just facts that people don't want to face. That's just stuff that people want to say, nah, that doesn't exist. That's a conspiracy theory. That must oh, be. Come on, man. That's exactly the Monsanto method, yeah. right? When their seeds go and <laughs> yep. contaminate the Amish seeds, they splice with their patented stuff. So when it becomes theirs. It's like, they, oh yeah, that's our farm now. Right. Yeah. You don't think that could happen? You don't think, I mean, again, that's why it helps to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist first, read up on the history of your government so you'll know what they're capable of and what their goals might be long-term. And then you'll understand that that's just like, well, of course they would want to do that. You know, <laughs> of course they would want to do that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I remember asking my father years ago, my father uh, recovered bodies uh, during Vietnam, he was taking them in, in the Gulf of Tonkin, uh, his hmm. boat was going through and they would pull the bodies out of the water, bring them up onto the Naval vessel. And I, I asked him during that time, I was like, you know, did you ever think that the government did a false flag operation to put us into that? And my dad, I'll never forget. He was like, false flag. That's not real. False flag operations. They don't do. Why would our country do that? Our country would never do that to us. But now we know Gava Tonkin was a false flag. And I tried to tell yeah. my father that and he wouldn't listen to me. You know, he, he was vehement. So even when faced with the fact that our government has always had ulterior motives to what they're doing, the cognitive bias and dissonance in people to not be willing to accept it, it's earth shattering for them. And so that's why we find ourselves, I think, in the predicament we do in a post-COVID world with people that have lost the ability to think for themselves. Um, I just related on my show yesterday. I called it uh, Nazi propaganda that Hitler would be proud uh, oh, yeah. because that's exactly what Hitler did in order with Joseph Goebbels to sell the big lie um, is to shout everything down and continue to say it until everybody believes it. Yeah. Oh man, the, the they would love what we have going on here in this police state, and the pro they could never even dream the propaganda apparatus that's been constructed. I mean, whew. We we've done it right. All the MK Ultra experimentation and things like Hitler, you know, a wet dream for a Nazi. Yep. What's going on here? Yep. And, and meanwhile, most people don't even see it. It's happening like why you don't see it, but like the worst, the worst things in the world. And, and you know, forget Ukraine for just a second, but Yemen. This is like twelve years. Twelve years of you know, it's it's a Saudi war, but we are financing that, providing all their fuel and weaponry everything they could possibly need because again we like to do things through proxy right right um but make no mistake that's an american like oper led operation and it's like it's hell on earth like the hell doesn't get worse than yemen i don't care whatever your religion is that's <sighs> have you been to camden new jersey <laughs> you know what i mean well yeah it's <laughs> like these places we need to take a look at too because well, I, I, I just got canceled in Camden, New Jersey, all of a sudden. So my oh. listeners in Camden, New Jersey, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're hurting too. I mean, no, but I mean, seriously, I mean, you can go to places in this country that are uh, completely uh, being destroyed. And 
there's one thing that's normally in common in each one of those cities. And I know you know what it is. What is it, Dave? Uh, the blue color <laughs> in which they are ruled by. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. It's always the people that are in charge there. It's uh, it's pretty non-shocking at this point in time. Um, I want to get into one other thing with you before we wrap up today. Uh, it's something that happened today here in Delaware, but it happened also nationwide. It's swatting. Uh, I got a notification today that my, my child's school was being locked down because there were threats of an active school shooting at a school. And so police in Delaware were driving around the different schools today because they were getting swatted by robocalls. And apparently this was happening nationally as well. If you go on social media, you turn on the news nightly, there are new shootings almost regularly. And then when you pair that with this fear that somebody's robocalling, it leads me to wonder, is there like who is doing a robocall across the nation about active school shootings, sending cops there. Probably in my FBI. mind, <laughs> right? Right. Like my mind goes there. It's, it's yeah. okay. I got, I got two, two options here. I got the FBI that could be doing that because they are trying to grab guns right now in this country under the Biden administration. Or I could say it's a foreign actor that's trying to create chaos and do a test so they can say, okay, well, if we get all the cops going into certain directions at one time, then we can invade this area or do something while they're distracted. Uh, are, are you, I, I don't even know what the solution to this is. Are, are you as disgusted as I am at the fact that the violence seems almost to be glorified in this country in a way to take away the second amendment rather than a true diagnosing of the issue of the mental health of the country uh, the complete brainwashing of the country into being more violent, the culture of death that we have that no one wants to call a culture of death because we should just accept it because it's, it's the humane thing to do that everybody grows up in different places. Right. Like, where do you stand on all that? Uh, on the culture of death, I feel like that's been curated since nine 11, uh, the zombie phenomena that lasted like eight years. I feel like it was a big part of that. Just envision a human being, not quite a human, but you can kill them. Just no problem. Get that out of your head, right? The other. Mm. Um, as far as the swatting stuff, this is, yes, this is, and it's like the worst thing. It's the worst solution because the solution will bring about more government. So like the more, and again, this goes back to 9-11, the militarization of the police, right, has led to this point where like every local municipality has a freaking tank and they have the they have the means to do this and all their guys are trained to want to do this. Um, call of duty, you know, this is long term 20 year program, you know, like I wanna right. wanna be in there, I wanna go shoot them up, do the thing. Um, so this is like the era of the warrior cop. It's no longer like the era of like the guy who patrols the street. Oh, hey Tom, you know, see you, whatever. That's over <laughs> right you know um so now yeah this strikes i mean i don't know i don't know shit about any of this but i imagine that it was probably mostly like drills we need the 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 reason to get in so like oh hey that's a oh it just happens to be this call or whatever robocalls okay cool well that's your excuse to go spend all these resources so then you can demand more money for more resources for more problems which are all created you know what I mean? Just like the underwear bomb or everything else or whatever. Is this all just phony, phony threats? I mean, and I should, I should have asked this first, but I assume nobody was hurt because. Yeah, it was all fake. There, was, there all, was no actual shootings in Delaware today. Right. Uh, and nationwide. think about the resources that were used today, just yep. here. You yep. know what I mean? All of that came from tax dollars, every single penny. Yeah. So. That really, when I start to do those kind of figures in my head, all the fuel for every cop car, everything, every dude and every pension, everything, you know, it's just like, think about how much lost human potential is there. If that money didn't go to all of those awful, awful, it's not just wasted. It's like for destruction and awful things. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I hate it too, bro. <laughs> it's, it's awful. I just feel like, you know. I have a, a friend, Lefty Lehman. He comes on to my show and I'm going to take him shooting. He's from what I understand, never been to a shooting range. He doesn't really understand uh, weapons that well. And so I'm looking forward to showing him the sport of shooting 
that it's not about a culture of death. Those of us that support the second amendment, mm-hmm. it's going to be about sport. It's also about self-protection. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of everybody should be carrying the, to protect yourself. I'm actually upset that I can't carry while I'm at work. I work in a school building. I can't carry, I can't even bring my weapon within a thousand, uh, feet of the school without possibly getting federal charges. Right. Mm -hmm. So when something like today happens and I'm like, well, gee, yeah, I can't have that on me right now. So, uh, I guess I'm screwed if something happens. Yeah, that's that's a really realistic thing that I don't think liberals think about. They're like, oh well, how many times is a good guy with a gun? Well, let's think about how many times you take away the good guy with a gun uh, argument because they're simply not able to have one on them wherever they are because there's a building nearby that they're not able to be close to. And I'm not talking about teachers carrying, by the way. I'm just talking about in general. We've banded in so many different places, but criminals don't seem to care about that shit. Uh, they do not. Yeah, we have to change again. We got to change the culture because yeah. it's a culture of by proxy. I don't want to defend myself. You defend me. I'll call right. somebody who's a paid service. Well, that's the same thing with COVID. You know, government save me. What right. are you going to do, government? Lock me down. Government keep me safe. Government, uh, you know, tell me how am I supposed to protect myself? Government, give me some stimulus checks. You know, I need money. I just assume everybody has a side hustle at this point in their time in their life. And if you don't, you're doing life wrong, right? Like, I don't know. Wow. All right, everybody. Uh, This, so this is Dave Casey. He has this podcast, Dave versus Goliath. Uh, This has been a a fun conversation with you, Dave. I think it's a first conversation of many to come into the future, which is awesome too. Um, Dave, what do you want to share with people? They want to reach out to you. They want to contact you. Um, What's the, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, yeah, Goliath will fall on Twitter and I'm on Odyssey and YouTube for the video stuff. We do a, a weekly live show, usually on Monday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. But uh, yeah, Dave versus Goliath on all the stuff. Facebook, iTunes, uh, Instagram and TikTok. That's where the U.S. government isn't. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> it, I, I guarantee you the U.S. government's definitely there. Ooh, uh, it's, just, an- it's just run by China. <laughs> There you go. They're there. But they're in it, weaseling around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. That's going to bring us to the weekend. It's been another great week of episodes here. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure. Excellent, everybody. We hope we honored your time well. We'll be back next week with some more awesome episodes for you on Monday. Take care. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Dave Casey, here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.